The Nuggets take on the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers in what could be finals previews. Plus, the Nuggets are probably going to get the one seed. They're almost definitely going to get the one seed. Do they want the one seed? All that and more on Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and I'm sounding kind of froggy, so I'll probably leap. Alongside Adam Mares from DNVR, you can check out all the pre- and post-game show at dnvr and check out all this great work on the daily denver daily denver nuggets podcast also check out the dnvr bar if you're going out this weekend you want to watch the elite eight there's no better place to watch it than at the dnvr bar plus you can catch some of these amazing awesome games from the nuggets that we're going to talk about including the matchup coming on saturday night versus the milwaukee bucks we'll talk about that matchup plus the matchup with the sixers what we can learn from those how much you want to learn from those final segment we'll talk about the race for the number one seed where the nuggets are at do they want the one seed we got a lot to get to on today's show adam Mares, how are the birds in your neck of the woods birds are good birds are good this time of year very exciting for the uh, migration of birds so uh, i'll have lots of up updates for you in the coming weeks all right good to hear it uh, let's start by breaking down the game on Saturday night. The Denver Nuggets host the Milwaukee Bucks in a potential finals preview. Now, like, look, got to be mentioned that the they, the schedule makers hate us, just absolutely hate all of us, because in a late season matchup between two teams that were projected to win more than 50 games, the Milwaukee Bucks tonight travel to Utah, and then they have the altitude back-to-back versus Denver. Um, given that it is March Madness and the NBA is a bunch of cowards and they just hide from any chance to compete with anything. Oh no, there's something else on this game's on NBA TV, but you will not get dinged for wrestling players on an NBA TV game. You'll only get dinged for a game on ESPN or, uh, TNT. It so. is funny that the first Nuggets Bucks matchup was for Denver, a really tough New Orleans to Milwaukee back-to-back and that theirs is a Utah to Denver back-to-back. Yep. Why? How are we burying the story? They only play twice a year. Jokic and Giannis, the last two MVPs. How is this? Oh, let's see. It's March Madness weekend. Let's. What game can we throw there that we don't care about? Denver, Milwaukee, perfect. I mean, look, I'm the one that thinks these matchups are dumb in general. Like, I think I'm. I'm always the one that's like, no, like, go see your team. Go, 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 go to the the arena to see your team. Don't, don't go to the arena to see the visiting player come in. Go to see your guys. Like, yeah. let's get rid of these non-con. Like, if, if we just get rid of these non-con games, we got lots of room in the schedule for more division games, which is shorter travel, which would make it easier for everybody. But no one listened. Um, yeah, so, like, I'll just tell you that it would not surprise me. Milwaukee sometimes gets up with these back-to-backs, but it would not surprise me if uh, if the Bucks had to rest this one. It's just, it's a tough travel spot. So I wouldn't be shocked if Giannis took the night off. He's had to miss some games with knee soreness and a hand injury. It's been been ongoing all season. Um, these guys have a lot of miles on them, and the Bucks are in really good position to secure the one seed, as is Denver. So, but let's imagine for the moment that we get a true finals preview matchup, potentially at least like a thing to look at here. Um, what is your big picture kind of thought about this matchup as it pertains to the Denver Nuggets, who historically, when Jokic has played, have done very well versus Giannis's Bucks. 
They have. Part of that's probably a function of just not playing very much. I think Malone had a good quote earlier this year at a practice where he said, for Eastern Conference teams, we only see them twice a year. We don't really change much. We don't game plan that much for them. And I always thought that was interesting. I think that's probably a coach uh, uh, across the board. Most teams just don't spend that much time. They're on a back-to-back. They probably are not scouting Denver's rotations very closely and telling the guys to key in on the subtleties of the rotation for Denver. Um, but I'm looking for – they have a great big in Brook Lopez, and they obviously have a second great big in Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think both of these upcoming games, in addition to having all the stakes and you know narrative stakes and everything – they present a challenge that I'm very curious to see if Denver is prepared for, especially given the fact that they had practice or they're having practice later today. Can when team puts a big on Jokic and then another big as the Romer, how does Jokic and the Nuggets attack that and are they successful? Or if not, this weekend might be a big weekend where other teams look around and go, oh, interesting. Okay, that's our strategy against Denver in the playoffs. I think my kind of initial reaction is I think it's maybe easier – with the big, big, um, I would imagine the counter to this is just put him in pick and roll, right? Like, like let's get Jamal Murray coming off of now. Drew Holiday is one of the best in the league at coming over the screen. And like, I- I've railed against drop coverage before because of how much I think it, it leaves you vulnerable to great shot makers off the bounce. If you execute it at an amazingly elite level, it's really effective. Guess what the Bucks do? They're amazingly elite at drop coverage. Like, they are so good because Drew's able to get over the screen and contest on you and really make it hard on you on your hip. And Brooks able to play both up and back at the same time. Like he's got the size and mobility to challenge you on the mid range jumper. But also if you try for the lob to get back and disrupt that, it's really, it's, it's really tough. Um, I kind of wonder if maybe some of this answer is to get Jokic like the, one of the things that they've gone to in the past when this has been kind of a tough matchup is get Joker on the move. That to me seems like the best kind of counter here is, don't give them the opportunity to game plan setting that double. Don't give them the opportunity to game plan the front is get Joker off of cuts, off of screens, on the move to get him moving towards the basket. That to me is the best way to kind of neutralize what they're going to try and do with the two big lineup. It could be. I mean, when you were talking about Jamal Murray and the drop coverage, the one thing is, is as much as you're right, that's an important component of it. I still feel like it's a major win if you force Denver into a bunch of Murray pick and roll pull up jumpers like if that's what you limit Denver's offense to that's less than their usual offense um to me it is that I mean Jamal Murray is a large part of what breaks the only way you can try to beat Jokic which is keeping the ball out of his hands by overloading things well do you have a player that can take advantage of that overload and it has to be Murray I don't think there's another guy but the other guy that I, I keyed in on for this weekend specifically is Aaron Gordon because he has a huge job one to hit the threes when he's open in the corners you know, off of that help, but two, attacking, trying to get to the basket. If a team is overloading, if Giannis is guarding him, but out of position because he's just not respecting the jumper, are you able to get to the rim and put pressure on Giannis, the best in the game and the hardest guy to put pressure on? That to me is a big question mark that at some point Denver's going to have to answer that question and have him perform that role. Aaron's down to 36% on threes. He was shooting 39% uh, north of 40% early in the season. 36 is right. I agree. Um, so that's kind of my question here is, is that good enough? And if not, I, I do think this naturally leads into a question of, are we going to see in a, in a certain matchup in a certain situation where they're going to have to, I don't think Malone is ever going to be in a mental space to do this, but are they going to be in a situation where you and I are calling for them to play MPJ at the four and put Aaron Gordon on the bench? 
I mean, I don't think so, largely because that doesn't solve the problem. Like a team can change up their defensive strategy in that moment, knowing that your that Denver's defense got so much worse that now you can just kind of play things more normal. So I just don't think so. It's um, Denver needs Aaron Gordon to be on the court for defense, and they need yeah. him to be making his shots on offense. Okay. So it's just like a pressure point you're going to have to live with, you think? I think it is. Every team has. I mean, Giannis needed to make free throws, you know, like yeah. there's just a pressure point and you're going to have to see if you can handle it in those moments. And it comes down to very small sample sizes that will determine whether you win or not. Um, if you want to know, as we talk about on the show all the time, and I'm always railing against like the X outs and the corner rotations and things like that, about how do you run drop coverage and still be able to defend the corners? Watch how the Milwaukee Bucks defend pick and roll this weekend, um, provided that they put an effort into it. Um, they are the best in the league at this, in my opinion. So last year they ran into this problem of they got broke back and their defense at the rim was amazing, but they were overloading so much in the paint that they were just giving up a ton. And they talked about it as a coaching staff and with the players this summer. And they came out with a, we've got to balance better about protecting the rim and at the corners. And they basically like came, they've talked about this about how like they came to the conclusion of we can trust our, our rim protection. We have enough with broken and Giannis. So like, let's let's be a little bit more aggressive in recovering let's be early let's not be late you know let's risk a couple of more attempts on the interior with the rim protectors that we have versus the nuggets who are like paint 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 okay now three you know and the the bucks are very much like now the bucks will give you they still give up a decent amount of threes because they'll give you the above the break ones that's what you wind up giving up if you're going to play this style that they do but they eliminate the corners and they eliminate the paint and that combo is what makes them one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. So it'll be interesting to see like the Nuggets. I feel like that's a big part of their offense, right? Is like attacking the rim and attacking from the corners on threes. Now, a lot of that is obviously in transition as well, but I just think it's like part of the equation here. If the Bucks bring an A game effort, how to watch it. Um, the Bucks, by the way, just have a, an elite defender in Drew Holiday, an elite defender in Giannis, and then a bunch of size. I mean, that's part of it. Grayson Allen is big for a point guard's position, and you've got Chris Middleton who has a great wingspan. You have, obviously, Giannis is enormous. So I think that's part of your ability to do both is a lot about how much ground can you cover. They can cover maybe the most in the NBA. It's not going to happen. Can I just say I, I want to see Vlatko versus Giannis? I just like, <laughs> I'm serious. I'd like to see it. Like – Body type what do you expect there. Charge. Could be. That's the thing. Like the best way to counter Giannis, I'm telling you, from everything I've watched of him, the best way to play it is you just gotta you have to constantly be back in transition and you have to try and take charges. Because if you do, you get him in foul trouble and the whole thing falls apart. The whole thing falls apart if he gets him, especially if he gets hesitant because he's not getting those calls that's like a, a significant way to disrupt them. Now, like he has gotten so much better at avoiding it. Like he just goes around you. It's amazing. But like, to me, Vlaco has a better chance than anybody else off the bench at being able to make that play. Do you know who team Serbia put on Giannis? Who? In, in Serbia versus Greece? Who? Jokic. Hmm. And they just had him. I mean, what Jokic is good at, remember, he's bad at pick and roll. He's bad out in space when you have to contest the three, but if, Jokic is very good at sort of giving 10 feet of space and funneling you to the direction he wants and then living with whatever like difficult shot you can do. And it honestly worked. I mean, Giannis scored a bunch of points, but he kept him away from the rim. And in the clutch, Giannis had to make or miss jump shots and he missed them. I wonder if Denver got into a finals. I do wonder if they would put Aaron Gordon on 
you know, on Brooke Lopez or something and tell Jokic like, hey, we'll see if they get suckered into Giannis Isos and we'll see if he beats you with them. Come up next. I got a question for Adam about the importance of this matchup. Plus, we'll talk about the Sixers matchup coming up on Monday as well. We'll do that when we return on Locked On Nuggets. First, I need to tell you about Nissan's most electric player of the week, brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The most electric player of the week, I'm going to give it to Zeke Naji for bringing energy off the bench to be able to help the bench look a lot better, for providing the switchability, for getting rebounds. That's a huge thing. That's, a, that's exactly what the Nuggets needed, and Zeke's been awesome in that. So he's going to get the Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week. Uh, Nissan Ele- Electric Player of the Week is brought to you by the Nissan Aria, which is electric, brilliantly fierce, fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful, and delivers on duality, the combination of fierceness and elegance. And you know what? Zeke needs a little bit more fierceness, but he's got the elegance, I think, in his game. And he's got the he's shown a lot of emotion lately. And I think that's been a really good thing for them. Beautiful, but strong. That's definitely Zeke Naji. It's the perfect SUV crossover. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Lockdown Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making us part of your day and your first listen. Appreciate you guys being part of the show. Uh, I apologize that my throat is still a little froggy. I'm dealing with a little bronchitis, but we're powering through here on Friday. Uh, Speaking of powering through, Adam, I want to ask you in this matchup between the the Nuggets and the Bucks, let's assume that the Bucks do go ahead and give it the old college try. By the way, I wanted to also get your thoughts. You know what's going to be something to watch the bench unit? Uh, guess who? Guess, guess who has developed some great pick and roll chemistry with Brook Lopez in the second unit? Who? Joe Ingles. Oh man, he's great. Are you kidding me? Joe, he, Joe Ingles is a great player. His number, his numbers actually, their best lineup features him. I just want to give you an opportunity. Like <laughs> every 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 time that that Joe Ingles comes up in a podcast, I've always enjoyed your your enthusiasm for Joe. And you're he's right, good. He's, he's, he's really old. good. He's yeah. he's aged. You know, he's he's aged, but he came back from ACL surgery in what ten months. And then immediately started making a positive impact. Isn't yeah, it's been really impressive. He's brought he's brought what they needed a lot more. And like I was concerned because he looked rough that last season in Utah, and he looks really reinvigorated with how the Bucks use him. Um, I want to ask you. Typically speaking, you don't worry about the finals matchup because you're like, look, let's just get to the finals and we'll figure it out once we get there. Um, and the Nuggets have so many question marks, I think, from everyone about like, can they get through this Western Conference given the kind of teams that they're probably going to face. Like they're looking at right now, you know, like Clippers Suns is currently the four or five. That's favorable for Denver if Clippers can knock off the Suns. But if they don't, you know, you're looking at a first round of like potentially Lakers or Warriors um, and then potentially a second round of Suns. And then you got to deal with whoever comes out of the other side of the bracket. Lakers um, Suns to me are the toughest <laughs> two matchups Nuggets can face. And it's <laughs> they might play them first and second. Yeah. Uh, but my question here is like, should you try and learn something for the finals? Should that be at any part of your focus here in these games? I don't think so, because I think the team that you'll be at that point in the finals is likely very, very different. Yeah. I think if you're going to make it to the finals, you probably have answered all the like strategic questions and matchup questions. And now it's just about executing at that high level with whatever gets thrown at you. So I would say not really. Um. Let's talk about the Sixers matchup. So the Sixers coming in on Monday. Uh, 
Joel Embiid is questionable tonight versus the Warriors. So is Harden. Both those guys got pretty banged up in their uh, two-game set versus the Bulls. So I, I've kind of called this for a while. I don't necessarily see the point in Embiid playing in the second matchup. Like be very smart of him not to play. He has nothing to gain and everything to lose in the second matchup with the Nuggets. Um, I mean, they have positioning to gain. They are, I think, tied at the moment for the two seeds. So. Yeah. Um, there's a basketball part of this. Like. Yeah, I just – so here's kind of the thing. The, the Cavs are five games back, so they're not going to fall to the four. Yeah, but that and, second round home court between Boston and mm-hmm. Philly, you don't think that's, like, hyper important? I don't think the teams view it as. I think it could be. Really? I don't – I don't. they never seem to act like home court's that big of a deal. I don't know why. I'm always surprised at it. I'm like, guys – home teams in game seven win like 80% of the time. Like you yeah. need the insurance. It's just insurance, but um, we'll see. Maybe if they, maybe they go for it. I would love to see it. would love to see another matchup between the two uh, MVP behemoths. Um, that Sixers game is a little bit different, right? Because instead of like a two big lineup, you have that PJ Tucker disruption. Do you think the nuggets are better at facing that given how much they've seen it since then to maybe play a little bit better against it this time? Um, I mean, you would hope so, right? Yeah. You should be prepared for it. Um, it definitely seemed like it caught Denver off guard. I mean, part of this is Aaron Gordon has not been playing very well. I mean, at that point, I think he still was fine. That was – the last time they played was before he missed games, right? I think so, yeah. But, like, my confidence level that now he's going to barrel towards the basket and be able to, you know – punish Joel Embiid and and take advantage of that by dunking on guys. I just, I don't know. He hasn't shown that lately. Right. Um, which is the worst matchup, the Sixers or the Bucks? Ooh, that's a good question. I think probably the Sixers. I think it's I the Sixers. Just because the pick and roll is hard. I mean, Nicola, I've said this before. Nicola's strategy against Joel Embiid, I think is a smart one, but it's a really annoying one. It's let Joel Embiid score as much as he wants outside the paint. And he's, I think over the last three times, has scored a lot outside of the paint. And I think Denver wins most of the time and should have won this last game if it weren't for their breakdown offensively in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, So I expect that to be a similar strategy in this game, that you're going to see Jokic give a lot of space and Embiid take a lot of jumpers. And if he makes as many as he did in the last game, 76ers will be in it. If he doesn't, I think Denver will probably win. Embiid shooting is, uh, quite frankly, insane. Uh, it's it's really impressive. So the thing, here's the thing about that game: it was impressive in quarters one, two, and three. Denver was up 15 points. Oh yeah, for sure. No, like winning the math game, I think is is like really pivotal there. Um, Embiid shoots 74% in the restricted area, 47.4% non-restricted area in the paint. That's not great. Uh, but this is the big one: he's shooting 49% now from mid-range. Last year he shot like. No, two years ago, he shot, uh, I think, 47%. And I was like, this is the best he's ever going to shoot. And then last year, it went down. And then this year, it's back up to 49%. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, he's, he's shooting 49% from the mid-range. That's absurd. Um, on top of his his three-point percentage, which, like, he's 36% above the break. So, it, it, his shooting efficiency really is, like, <clears throat> elite. Um, foul trouble, I think, is obviously a big thing in this one, right, too. Because Joel is one of the best foul drawers in the league. He's honestly, he's the best foul drawer in the league. He's passed, surpassed Giannis as the guy that draws the most. Um, do we, I, the question here, you know, I was looking at these splits yesterday. Um, interestingly, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic have a better on-court defensive rating than Embiid and Harden. 
I was surprised by that. Um, and it really kind of tells you just how, like how bad the Sixers defense is when Harden plays. And so now Harden may miss both of these games. He was, he was real like, he's more banged up, I think, than Embiid is. Um, so he may miss both, both the game Friday night and the game on Monday, but, um, I think it's something to kind of pay attention to. And I actually think like for the Sixers, it's better for them to go with a defense first approach. Like, I also think that like, you don't want Harden because Harden's bad in transition. The, the Nuggets are so good in transition, but it's something to kind of keep an eye on in terms of how this thing plays out. Also, like, this is the bigger thing is you have the Nuggets really want to win this game. They need to figure out some sort of solve. And I don't think there is one, but they need to figure out something they can do as far as a stagger and be destroys in these. If, if, if you look at like the Sixers overall defensive rating, and then you look at what the Sixers defensive rating is when Embiid and Harden play and you go like, well, how is that possible? And it's like, because Embiid destroys teams defensively when he's playing against bench units. So like this already challenged offensive unit for the Denver bench is going to be even, even worse trouble in those second and fourth quarter stints where Embiid staggers with the bench. Who do you even put out in that game? Does Thomas Bryant play? You're not guarding him with Jeff Green and Zeke Nagy, are you? I don't think so. Like, I feel like I I don't know. Like, I, it just it feels like everyone trusts Zeke and wants Zeke to play in in any situation. So I don't want to like be that hard against it. It's just I don't. I feel like Zeke's got no chance there. I feel like Embiid's just gonna body him, and Thomas Bryant will get cooked. But at least Thomas Bryant can like put an elbow into him. Can like at least take a bump. I don't know. It's kind of an interesting question to, to think about. I don't think there, like, there's honestly, there is really no good solution. Like this one may be a specific matchup where you need to go more offensive centric um, just to try and keep pace. But that means that you got to stagger MPJ, which they've shown a reluctance to do so. Um, I don't know. It's a tough question. I, I, I want to see in both of these games, Jamal Murray play well, not just play like too aggressively, but appropriately aggressively and have some shake. And in particular, going up against Drew Holiday, one of the best perimeter defenders. I would never expect Jamal Murray to cook Drew Holiday, but I do want to see if he can go toe-to-toe with him. Um, I don't think that's too much to ask, by the way, if you're wanting to win a championship. like Your best, your second best player has to be able to outplay the best defenders sometimes. Uh, Danny says, Thomas Bryant will put us in the bonus in 60 seconds. Can Zeke avoid that? Is it better? I mean, maybe that's better not putting him in the bonus, right? Just like getting bodied and not fouling. Maybe that's better. I don't know. I think it's an interesting question. Like if you could, I I will say this, it might be just better to just go small ball five out versus the versus the Sixers in the second unit and really like put a lot of pressure on B to cover space. The biggest thing I think in that second unit is a run. You need to get out and you need to run because that's where the Sixers are weakest is they, they are one of the worst defense transition defensive teams in the league alongside Denver. So like you need to challenge, like you don't want to go into their half court offense, especially with that bench unit. You will lose that battle. So like you need to, you need to force turnovers, get out and run. It's going to take a lot of like smart doubles. Also, if they were to meet in the finals matchup, that would be like a, a pivotal thing that I would look at is like, can the nuggets figure out how to effectively double yoke it or double Embiid in those sequences in the second, in those, those uh, stagger splits. So Look at this question here. Do you think MVP takes the lead with both wins? If, if everybody plays, so let's say Giannis and, and Embiid both play, Jokic outplays them both times, Denver gets the wins. Does it change the narrative? It makes it closer, but not enough. Perfect. <laughs> that's um. Then we might actually get Jokic trying. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's my opinion is um, I think that I just, I just, think that there is a we gotta give it to mb that's where i think it it is <clears throat> it's like we can't not give this guy the the mvp 
I don't. He's good. I honestly think he might deserve it. So that it's fine by me. Okay. Um, I can't get there. I've tried. I've tried really hard. I just can't get there. It's Giannis or Jokic for me. It's you can take two. You can take two two paths to it, whichever way you want. And I can't get. I can't get to the one where Embiid's the most valuable player in the league. I just can't. I can't get there. Um, I think he's deserving of it. I think that like he's a worthy candidate. I think if him if if you want to say Giannis doesn't play enough games and um honestly I will say this <clears throat> the biggest argument I can kind of put against um Jokic in favor of Embiid is Embiid I think actually has been more consistent. They were rough that first like really early stretch, but the Nuggets start to the season and this end to the season is enough for me to be like, okay, I got like, I don't know, 20 games ish of like the Nuggets, like Jokic and the Nuggets not trying. Okay. Well, if you do that, that's a choice. Right. So, and there's consequences of that anyway. Um, but yeah, the answer I don't, I think is that he, he still is that Jokic can win both of them and decisively. And it still doesn't matter, especially like, Voters, especially that box game, would be like, "Well, it's back to back. It's in Denver, as if the ones in, on the road don't matter um, right. or do matter." So, uh, yeah, let's up next. We're going to talk about the race for the number one seed, where it's at, where we think it finishes, and a more important question: Do the Nuggets want the one seed? Bless you. Thank you. We'll talk about that in just one second. But first, I got to tell you about Ibada. I love the name of this company, Ibada. We're always throwing money at something. Kids' school supplies, new house project, the list goes on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you get your cash back. It's just that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 a year in real cash back. That can cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you can get your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. I really want to go to Uchi in Denver, so that's why we'll use my bottom money right on. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 22 than at the end, the beginning of the year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending on how much you use it. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other gaps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out your bank account. PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, love a good Lowe's trip, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, love a good Best Buy trip, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, when you register. Just go to the app or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code... Pardon me, LOCKED. That's Ibotta in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. appreciate you guys being part of the show and the community. appreciate you guys being with us and making us your first listen. Adam Mares, who's yawning sleepily on a Friday. It's almost the weekend, Adam. You almost get to rest. Do you? Or are you going to the bar for the? I'll be a, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that I'll rest. <laughs> yeah, probably not. You get the elite eight, and then you get the Nuggets game on Saturday night, and then yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about the, the race for the one seed. So, <clears throat> Nuggets magic number is down to six, uh, for home court throughout the Western okay. Conference playoffs. Um, to put that in perspective, they have nine games left. The Grizzlies have have ten games left. If the Grizzlies go at a seventy percent clip and they finish seven and three, 
and Denver goes three and six in their final 10, the Nuggets still secure the one seed. I told this to Adam and he was like, yeah, but the schedule. And so you're still not convinced that like, this is going to, you're still like, this could be in, this could be a thing that's in play. To be honest, I don't really, I'm not sweating it. I want Denver to play well. <laughs> well, I know we're going to get to this here in a second, but the two seed might be the better seed. Well, let's talk about it. Let's just go ahead and go right there. Uh, let's give me your spiel and then I'll give you my breakdown on the two versus the one. So everything's in flux, right? In the West, the one team that I think is the least in flux might be the Suns. They at 34 losses, the Clippers behind them at 35, the Warriors behind them at 36. So they have a two-game cushion on the six. It just looks like the Suns are going to be the four or the five, very, very likely to be the four or the five. Um, and in that case, you know, that's your second-round matchup. Unless unless one of the Clippers and Warriors beat them, which, by the way, are two of the better teams I would pick to beat them. So they might have a really tough, for them, first-round matchup. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, no continuity. Like, KD's going to be back probably by the end of this week, but or, like, next week, but that's still not a lot of time for them to build up continuity. Um, you've kind of seen the depth issues that they've had. Like, they have guys. It's really kind of funny. They don't remind, like, there are a lot of ways in which they remind me of kind of the early Nuggets teams, um, in which, what I mean by that is, you remember how it used to be like one of these guys is going to have to have a good night where it's like either Torrey Craig or Gary Harris or Will Barton, like somebody's going to have to have a good game and you didn't know who that's a little bit where the Suns are, where it's like, Chris is just honestly not at a point. Like Chris, Chris is going to have a game where he puts up, you know, 25, 30. I, I think that's possible for Chris. That's Patrick. the thing, man. I just, in the playoffs, I think I don't count on the Chris Paul's washed in the playoffs. Yeah. It might happen. It might, but he'll have like, I'll bet but, against but I think here's the thing, though, is like he might have like a 25 or 30 point game, but he also might have a bunch of games where it's like, yeah, he had eight points and, you know, 12 assists, but like eight points and didn't shoot well from the field. Like I always this is a big thing for me is that age robs you of consistency. That's that's what it does. It doesn't rob you of your ceiling. It robs you of your ability to do it every single night. Um, and so, like, you got Josh Akogi, you've got Landry Shamit, you got Damian Lee, um, you got Tory Craig. You got these guys, and like that's who every other night, like they're hoping one of those guys is able to get loose. Now, again, like they're undefeated with KD, right? Like they were undefeated with KD. He got hurt and they started losing again. So, just the question to kind of here is like, how do you balance all that out? Um, as far as the two versus the one seed goes, you know, I, I do think like you're not going to have, um, you won't wind up with worse, like the game seven versus Phoenix will be, will be at home if it gets there, right? Like no matter what happens, Phoenix can't pass Denver. So it's really comes down to like, do you need home court to beat Memphis or Sacramento? And I don't think you do. So like, yeah, I would probably agree that there's something to be said for the value of the two versus the one. I do think though, that there is something about like the feeling of you held the one seat all year and then you lost it at the end. Like what, yeah. is that, what is that momentum? Like, how does that feel for you? Like we were the, we were the one, we were the dominant team. And then like we got passed by the Grizzlies. And Denver already lost five of six, you know, a couple a week ago. If you have, if you continue another trend like that, you're looking at your last 20 games going, we were great all year, but we were seven and 13 down the stretch. Like that just, it feels bad no matter what people say. Yeah. You know, like I said, like I've done the research and I want to be clear on this. The research doesn't say that if you're bad in the final month of the season, you're good in the playoffs. That is not what it says. It says that there's no correlation. Like the data just says that like, you can be good, you can be bad, and it's a mix of results, which means that it's entirely possible that you can be bad in the last month of the regular season and then flame out in the playoffs. That's like this team is not like safe 
because of the history of it not mattering or it not being determinative, right? Um, there also is just the time. It's the time. Like this is stuff we used to talk about back in the day. Should Denver do this or that? Like at a certain point, you go, "It's our time. We just got to beat the best teams." I'm see, and I, I love this point. And I think it's very important. You just got to be like, "We're better." Yeah, you know, and or, or it's we're better or we're not. Like, yeah, we're not. Now? Like, we don't need to. If we have to think this hard about the easy path, then we're we're probably gonna get got at some. If, point. if you get beat by this Lakers team, you were never good enough. Right. It was like you really were. You were frauds. If you get beat by this Lakers team in a one eight, in a one eight, yeah. I don't think if, the Lakers are winning the title. I mean, so if you don't can't beat them, if if you get, I, I don't know. The Warriors are the one I can't figure out. I really, I've gone round and round in my head about it because there's just so many like every part of my being wants to not count them out, but they have just been screaming at us to count them out. Like, I really can't stress this. If there was, like, any sign, if there was, well, like, any the, glimpse, the I could is, get there. The Warriors are good if they have Andrew Wiggins. They're good if they have him. I just, I, to me, it's, and I don't know if there's enough time now to bring him back and to get that momentum going to be a contender. But to me, Wiggins completes their starting five. They're still a very shallow team, but to me, they become like the Suns, where their best punch is as good as anyone's, and they don't really have the depth that makes them uh, unassailable. But if you catch them on the wrong night, Clay Thompson has 10 threes. Let me, let me counter that. They're 38 and 36. So they are just two games up of being a 500 team. They've been a 500 team for most of the season above or below. Okay. Does Andrew Wiggins take them from a 500 team to like a three seed level team? I mean, they're a 500 team because they've also missed Steph Curry and they've missed Draymond and they've missed everybody's missed. Everybody's missed guys. This is the this is how the NBA goes. Their their starting five is the best offense and the best defensive starting of five man unit in the NBA. That's a meaningful thing to me, and it's on good sample size. And they have the pedigree. Do they have the depth to win a title? I don't know. But if you told me they get Andrew Wiggins back, and you know they might have to go through a plan or whatever, but they get that and then enter the playoffs, I would look at that and go, that's not a five hundred team. That's a much better team. Danny points this out. Their record with and without Wiggins is nearly identical. Both yeah, but it's not about Wiggins. Isn't the guy that makes them better? He's not Jokic, but he is a guy that brings them together. He's like he's like Aaron Gordon. You know, if you if Nuggets miss Murray for a portion of the series and they miss Jokic for a portion of the season and they miss Wiggins for a portion of the season, you wouldn't look at just the games with you know one of those guys. The Wiggins to me is the guy that completes the Draymond Clay uh, yeah. Steph trio. Like he's. He last year, especially in the playoffs, he had an Andre Iguodala esque performance in key moments. I hear you. Like I'm not. I don't. I don't think you're wrong at all. I just. I have a hard time parsing through this stuff. They're a very confusing team because it depends on whether you think that history matters or not. And you can say like, I don't. I don't think history matters at all. It's only about the season, and that's that's totally fine. And I can't blame you for that. It's, I do tend to think that there are things that have held true throughout NBA history. And one of them is if you're not a top three seed, you don't win the finals. You definitely don't win it. Like, you don't. I mean, if that's the case, though, then Denver also has plenty of these indicators as well. For sure. You don't have a winning road record. I mean, I know they do by the skin of their teeth at the moment. Matt Peterson, who I believe writes for Suns.com, has has shared with me several times that the Nuggets are going to have one of the worst records for uh, a one seed in the Western Conference since like 87. That's another part of this is I think that the one versus 12 things feels different because of what the numbers are. If you only get 53, 54 wins, 
Yeah, that's like Denver's had 54 wins before when they were a lower seed. Um, Again, I think Denver has to just beat these teams, and I think they're capable of it. Like Bucks, 76ers, Celtics, any Suns. I think Denver is capable of beating the fully healthy version of all of these teams at their very best. So part of me thinks this is all just kind of talking through the like favorable versus unfavorable matchups. But Denver, to me, just needs to get to the level that they're capable of playing and take everybody's best shot. Yeah. It's supposed to be hard, right? Like it's. I mean, that's what everybody says. It's the hardest thing you've ever done. Yeah, it's supposed to be hard. Uh, what's your prediction for the next two games? <clears throat> um, I kind of don't think Embiid plays in the 76ers game. I think Denver gets a win. I'm, I'm kind of high on Denver. I think they've rebounded. I think this. I think it's underrated that they are going to have five days with just one game, and it was against the Wizards. I think that that um, the team is probably as rested as they've been in a month since the All-Star break. So I expect them to play good basketball. After coming out of the All-Star break, they beat the Cavs, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Grizzlies. I think Denver probably looks pretty good over this next upcoming stretch of games. I think Giannis and Drew sit on Saturday and the Nuggets win. And I think... Why would they do that, though? The Bucks. I mean, they're. I mean, they might not beat Utah, but if let's say they beat Utah, they're only they're still only two and a half games up on the Celtics. Like, it's not over. I don't think that they. I think that team less than anybody cares about the one. Really? Yeah, I do. Huh? Because like they've rested, they've rested guys like Giannis has rested a lot of games, and I think that they when I think after you win a title, you just feel like you can do it. You can feel like you can go on the road and win. I mean. It's probably not better for them just because it's like your most the team most likely to pass you is Boston. Uh, Sixers schedule is brutal the rest of the way. Just statistically, the Sixers are less likely to capture the one. That would that'd be an ideal outcome, obviously, for the Sixers. But if you're the Bucks, you're just like, look, we're gonna have to go through Boston at some point. Like, does it really matter if it's first or second round? And then, Doug, are you really worried about going into Philly for a game seven? No. You're not worried about going to the Philly for a game seven if you're the Bucs. You won the title. So uh, to me, I, I don't think that they feel a pressure to get the one. I think that all the teams in the East, one, two, three, don't feel a lot of pressure to get the one seed. I feel the, I feel like the Nuggets are under the most pressure to get the one just because they've held it. Yeah. If the Nuggets do win these next two games, to me, it sets them up so nicely. If they go 2-0 and here and maintain that three-and-a-half-game stretch a lead, I just feel like all these other games you get to – rest if you need to rest you get to you get to do the things that you need to do and i want to see them experiment against phoenix like you play phoenix twice in the final two weeks of the season that might be your second round matchup i'd love for them to try things out without the pressure of do we need to win this or not i just think that would be very good for them um i will say this i kind of think Embiid plays on monday i think it's more likely he misses tonight than monday i think he wants to i think he wants to win this bad enough that he wants to go into denver and like really show everybody I also don't think he's afraid of Jokic. Like, I think, he, I think he likes that matchup. So Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Make sure you have yourselves a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday with a recap of the Bucks game. We'll get you set for the game versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Make sure to check out all the great content over at DMVR, pre- and post-game shows. Check out the DMVR bar if you're going out this weekend. Be safe. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked on Nuggets. Mm-hmm.